Welcome back to the Visionary Life Podcast. If you're new here, hi, I'm Kelsey, and I am the founder of Visionary Life. In this community, we chat about peak health, living an inspired life, and all things entrepreneurship. Every day, I strive to live out my own most visionary life while helping others to do the same. Visionaries are creative, driven, and energetic, and we are living a life full of want-tos and not have-tos. Hey everyone, happy Valentine's weekend. Did you celebrate with the one you love? Did you hang out with yourself, maybe sitting on the couch with a glass of wine? Because that's totally legit too. As of the day this podcast airs, I am still in Europe and I believe we're currently making our way from Switzerland to France at the time this podcast launches. And we're starting the next leg of our trip. I will do a full recap on the March 4th episode as that's when I'll be back and ready to record once again. So not too much to update today, although I am Although while I am away, rather, I am still inputting orders and doing a select few mentor calls with my doTERRA tribe, so just stuff when the inspiration hits. So as always, if you have been thinking about getting started with essential oils, it is a really beautiful time. Um, I'm watching the people who are joining our tribe and just the incredible diversity of women who are really tuning into the fact that this opportunity is so good and so real. And whatever vision you have for your life, doTERRA could be the vehicle to make that happen. So if you would like to start up, feel free to send me an email. And you can also find out all the ways we can collaborate over at www.kelseyridle.com slash work together. So today on the show, we have Mariah Craig. Mariah and I have known each other since our days working at Vega, which is a plant-based nutrition company, and since then we've remained good friends and supported each other's entrepreneurial journeys through the highs, the lows, and all the in-betweens. Both of us had struggles with our previous jobs, we've dabbled in many business ventures, and have ultimately found our true calling through a lot of experimentation. I love that Mariah is so multi-talented and multi-skilled. She's worked in so many different roles and in turn has a wealth of skills that she now applies to her business, Social by Nature. This is a true testament to the fact that no job is ever a waste of time. There's always something to be learned and transferable skills can always be acquired through all that you do. On this episode, we cover so much on Mariah's visionary life. We talk about finding plant-based eating and how that totally shifted her life, how she's living with Lyme disease, opening and closing a catering business called Murr's Menu. We dive into that. And ultimately, we end on why she launched Social by Nature, a company that specializes in social media content and strategies for health and wellness businesses. Hi, Mariah. Welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. Thank you for, well, I guess hosting me today at your <laughs> condo, downtown Toronto. So we are at Mariah's home office right now. She's got a beautiful tower garden <laughs> beside us here. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to dive in. We've known each other for about three or four years now since our days demoing for a large natural health company. And uh We've since both moved on from that job, but a few of us have remained really good friends and we do monthly plant-based brunch dates and it's really cool to see how our friendship has evolved and I've loved watching your journey over the past three to four years, your career transitions, successfully managing your health and for a while balancing a long distance relationship for some time last year and ultimately to where you are today, which You've launched this incredible business, which we'll spend a good amount of time chatting about today. And I know that, you know, so many of our listeners will be able to relate to your life story and how you've navigated all that's come over the past few years. So 
again, thanks for taking the time to chat. Thank you so much for having me. I know I said it to you the other day when we were out, but um, I'm so excited for you in this podcast. I think it's such a natural next step for you, and I'm really excited to be mm-hmm. a part of this with you. Yeah, I remember actually chatting with our mutual friend Christy, and I was saying, I either want to get into podcast or YouTube. Like, I know video or audio is kind of the way of the future, and I just had this goal to do either one. And she looked at me, and she's like, I can really see you going for a podcast. Absolutely. that was about a month ago, and that's when the light went off, and I thought, you're right. I'm not a YouTube person. I'm going full swing with the podcast. So thanks, Christy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So let's zoom the lens back a bit and get an idea of, why and how your whole natural health journey began? Sure. Um, you know, growing up, natural health, I mean, the word health was not even a part of my, my vocabulary. If I'm going to compare the way I live my lifestyle now to, in, in comparison to how I lived my lifestyle growing up, um, plants were definitely not a part of my diet. Um, the term self-care was not a part of the vocabulary either. I thought I was raised to be really healthy. I had the parents that like wouldn't be caught dead bringing white bread into the house. We were only allowed to buy junk food cereal once a year. Um, In my teens, I was like sucking back ice caps, swapping out my Wendy's drink for a frosty ice cream and getting drunk. And that was kind of it. Um, It wasn't really until 2011 when I was diagnosed with chronic Lyme disease that I really had that awakening moment and things started to uh to shift for me awesome and so let's maybe dive into that a little bit it's something that I haven't touched on on the podcast yet so I'm wondering could you tell us a little bit more about what Lyme disease is for those who don't know yeah absolutely so Lyme disease is an inflammatory infection and it's spread to humans through tick bites and to set the record straight it's Lyme like L-Y-M-E not limes with an S on the end <laughs> which is I find I don't know where it came from but it's such a common mistake that people made so I've never heard that <laughs> all, all the time um So yeah, Lyme disease is an inflammatory infection spread to humans through tick bites. Um, The ticks are commonly infected through animals, rodents, or deers, and then they carry that infection and either give it to other animals or humans like myself. Um, It's definitely on the rise in Canada. Um, It has over 100 symptoms associated with it. So it's believed that most people who have it are walking around undiagnosed. It's a really challenging thing to diagnose. I was lucky in only experiencing the question marks for about six months before I was diagnosed. People can often go years. It's one of those things where it's easily treated in the acute stage, but once you get into those weeks or months or years untreated, it becomes um, a real challenge to to treat. And that's kind of... uh, what happened with me by the time I was diagnosed, it was in a chronic state, so. Um, so how many years then have you been managing your Lyme disease? It's been just over seven years. Okay, now, and that's so hard. can you like take us back to the time in your life? Where were you, what were you doing when you started having symptoms and what did it manifest as? Yeah, I was in my second year of college, I was a 20 year old college student. Um, who, you know, didn't have a care in the world except for where the next party was. And my symptoms started showing up in non-traditional ways, as maybe a lot of people experience beginning symptoms of Lyme, which are usually usually flu-like symptoms. Um, I was experiencing a lot of really bizarre symptoms. I took myself to and from the hospital locally to where I was um, studying in school countless amount of times because I just knew that there was something greater going on than, like, doctors telling me I had candida or you know something Mm -hmm. along those lines um so six months I was seeing specialist after specialist I'm talking dozens of specialists um I remember coming home from school one day getting changed and seeing black and blue lines across the bottom half my legs um my boyfriend one day you know found me passed out in the bathroom like there were there were so many scary things happening and to happen during that phase of your life where like you don't have a care was really confusing for me, but I still, at the time, I think didn't 
understand the seriousness of what was actually happening, you know, you always just think it can't happen to you. Totally. Um, and eventually a family friend recommended um, a doctor by the name of Dr. Danani. He studies out of Richmond Hill. He focuses on biological medicine. And that was the first time I heard someone say, you know, based on your symptoms, I think you have an infectious disease and brought up the term Lyme disease. And in the moment, nothing clicked because I was coming in thinking I had like a yeast infection and all of a sudden someone is saying Lyme disease. Um, and that kind of, you know, rocked my world. Uh, I, a lot of that period of time became a blur. Um, a lot of it is almost even blacked out for me. It's really bizarre. I was speaking to my mom a couple weeks ago and she was referencing my last semester of college and how I was living with my parents and going to and from school during that time so I could graduate. And I kid you not, Kelsey, I don't even, like I have zero memory mm-hmm. of this. Um, so I think for a lot of people, once they're faced with serious health issues, you at some point realize you have to take your health into your own hands. It took me a long time to get to that point because I was young, I was confused, I was angry, I felt like my college experience had been stripped you know, away from mm-hmm. me. Um, so I was lucky to have a really strong support system from my family at that time, but I did eventually get to a point where there was kind of a switch and I went from being angry at my situation to um, starting to educate myself. And that's kind of where everything began in my natural health journey. I started studying into a plant-based diet because my, my naturopath basically re- recommended that overnight I was to cut out sugar, gluten, wheat, soy, dairy, red meat. I'm probably missing some other things. And again, I'm a 20-year-old college student, right? Yeah, so you like, can't eat out of the dorm. No, <laughs> the cafeteria. absolutely not. <laughs> I can't eat pizzas and steaks and it's like, <laughs> I can't have beer. I didn't know. No um, midnight poutine. <laughs> absolutely not. So, you know, I, I would literally open my fridge hungry and cry. I had no idea how to handle this at the time. I lost 35 pounds in two months like I was a walking disaster so again it comes it comes down to you really need to take things in your own hands eventually I did started studying into a plant-based diet it started making a lot of sense for me in terms of managing my pain and inflammation because those were and still are today some of my um, biggest issues and that passion kind of was sparked really quickly that's when I started my then food blog Mers Mm -hmm. Menu which at the time was a really ugly blog with even uglier food photos. Um, And soon after that, I took Megan Telpner's program through the Academy of Culinary Nutrition and things just kind of snowballed from there. Wow. Okay, there's so much (laughs) to dissect there. So, I mean, at one point, just in what you were saying, it sounds like a lot shifted when you chose to instead empower and educate yourself versus like feel as a victim and as a story and I think you know with any situation whether you're let go from a job whether you are diagnosed with an illness um whether someone you love is treating you poorly you have a choice right but oftentimes it's hard to see that in the early days you kind of feel like oh woe is me and yes it's easy to kind of succumb to seeing it all as a negative and not in a positive light, but I love that you said that when you chose to begin educating yourself, that's when a lot shifted. So is that kind of like the turning point of you going from, you know, just your everyday college student to putting yourself on a natural health journey? It really was. And at the beginning, I was angry about it because a lot of the changes weren't by choice. Um, But then once I, I guess, started to experience the benefits of the changes I was making is when things started to make sense and I was no longer angry and I was kind of excited in a weird way to experience that natural health journey and um, help myself Mm -hmm. get better. And what was a cool experience is that when I started Mer's Menu is I quickly was able to not only help myself but help others along the way as well, which is something... That wasn't necessarily an intention at first. It just kind of naturally happened that way. I was posting my recipes just because it was like 2011. It wasn't really going on at the time, especially when you compare it to uh, to today. Mm-hmm. There was definitely nobody in my circle 
um, you know, blogging about plant-based food. So as ugly as it was, um, it quickly started connecting with people. And that was the first time I really had a moment where I was doing something good and, um, you know, was able to help myself while helping other people. And I think that feeling was what really sparked everything for me and really pushed me into this um, health and wellness mm-hmm. career path that I went down. Yeah, and and so with managing your Lyme disease, I know I've heard you speak before about how you tried many modalities. I think you saw quite a range of practitioners and different doctors, and you know you needed to find what was ultimately going to help you the most. So. Yeah. You keep mentioning plant-based diet, something that we're both very passionate about. Sure. Would you say that that's been one of the most impactful changes? Um, you know, it's an interesting question. And from time to time, it's something that I bring up to my boyfriend. And I basically say, you know, I, I do, I've experienced a number of incredible benefits from a plant-based diet. But I always ask the question, you know, I wonder how much better I would feel if I was no someone with quote-unquote normal health like I feel like if someone with that normal health led the lifestyle that I live that I would feel like uh, you know a superhuman Mm -hmm. Um, having said that there are definitely a number of benefits I have experienced from um, a plant-based diet like I said earlier one of the main reasons why I chose to go that route was to try and control the inflammation and pain that I was experiencing That is something that I, my body quickly reminds me of when I go off track. So let's say I go away for a weekend with friends or I go visit my parents and I indulge in the glutens or refined sugars um, that I wouldn't typically consume in my day-to-day routine, my body rejects it instantly and I experience a great amount of pain and inflammation. So it's really interesting the way your body can tell you so quickly what it wants and what it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So... It's helped me dramatically in that way. Um, it's also helped my gut health tremendously as well. I don't think my the uh, listeners want to <laughs> get to know me that well that quickly, but um, when I first became ill, I like my body struggled to digest anything. It was like I was carrying around a 20-pound baby at all times. I was so bloated and so uncomfortable all the time. So in that regard, it's helped me tremendously as well just to be more comfortable mm-hmm. in my body every day. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel as though a lot of people experience these types of symptoms, but maybe their body doesn't speak as loudly to them as yours does. Yeah. Um, it's also about, I think, really tapping into like, how do I feel? Could I feel better? And it sounds like you've become pretty keenly aware of things that will set you off course and um, what needs to happen in order for you to function and operate at your kind of highest level of health. Um, So we're going to dive into a lot more about kind of the business that came alongside these dietary changes. But while we're on the topic, I know a lot of people, they really do want to become more Mm plant-based. It's no longer sexy to eat meat and potatoes (laughs) at every meal. We know that, you know, that makes us feel heavy and it's not the most sustainable diet. So Do you have any advice for someone who is looking to shift towards a more plant-based diet? Yeah, I think for those who want to make the shift today, for starters, I'm almost envious of the people who want to make the shift today because making that shift in 2011 was by no means easy. My mom and I actually still crack jokes about the first time she tried to make me a birthday cake. It was like this chocolate quinoa birthday cake that literally tasted like cardboard because (laughs) the resources just were not there, you know what I mean? Um... Having said that, and all jokes aside, I would say for people who want to make the transition today, it's initially, I think, really important to go in with like your why, knowing what your motivation is there, um, just trying to find those reasons and stick to those reasons why you're doing it in the first place to try and create more of a lifelong habit rather than something you're going to do for a short period of time and then got, get caught up in, in uh, the cravings or whatever the case may be. Um, One of the most important things for me in my transition was to start small and simple. And this is something that I always tell people. It's so crucial, I think, no matter what kind of lifestyle change you're trying to make. For me, I wasn't plant-based overnight. I took a solid year to make this transition. 
granted overnight I had to cut out the dairy um, but in terms of the other animal products I was still allowed to eat you know chicken turkey uh, fish eggs and over the course of a year I just naturally started buying less and less eating less and less until it got to the point where it was just natural for me and it wasn't difficult anymore because I wasn't making any kind of um, wild restrictions for myself I have found through my health journey that anytime I have created a lot of restrictions for myself it has created the complete opposite of of health and what health is supposed to be so starting small and simple definitely and I think another thing is just educating yourself there's so many resources available Mm -hmm. today so in the beginning phases just finding your favorite food bloggers finding those awesome Instagram food accounts finding the educational documentaries are really I think helpful in the process as well yeah I think what you said first too about finding your why yeah I mean if you have no idea why you're shifting or if your why is superficial like you know I need to lose 10 pounds before my vacation that's when you're right it doesn't stick that's when it's just a diet and it doesn't become a lifestyle but you're right with growing a business or shifting your diet or anything you do there has to be like a deeper rooted reason why you're doing it so I think it's important even just to like grab a piece of paper and if you want to go more plant-based like write out the reasons why and I think it'll bring it more to the forefront of your consciousness of like you know when you have that choice of am I going to eat a Big Mac or am I going to eat like a big salad or with whatever then you know you have that deeper yeah calling of why you would do this in the first place so I'd love to know what are a few of your staple health food items that you always have on hand sure um a few things that I consume literally every day and one of them's on the desk and that habit is 100% your fault um I drink (laughs) the vanilla garden of life all-in-one nutritional shake every single day it's almost like candy to me like it's such a nutritious drink, but I genuinely enjoy it so much. Um, so that's something that's always in my pantry. We met over <laughs> protein powder, basically, literally. So this is not surprising. <laughs> um, another thing that I consume every day is avocado. I eat at least half an avocado every day. And if you live in my neighborhood <laughs> and know how expensive it is yeah. and what a commitment it is to eat avocado like that every day, but. Um, I love the food so much, and obviously the nutrition can justify those habits. Um, um, there's a store called Nations Experience, yes. and it's near my place, and they sell bags of avocados for Don't $2. So I can't buy an individual avocado for $2. I know. Here. Nations Fresh Foods, baby. <laughs> um, I would say the pantry item that I go through the most, um, to the point where I would say it's an unhealthy habit, except it's not an unhealthy food item, is nutritional yeast. Mm. And you see, you saw me at the cottage that I like, <laughs> dumped an actual pound of nutritional yeast into yeah. that pot of food. That is how I eat <laughs> on a regular basis. I put nutritional yeast on everything. And it's not even from like, I eat a plant-based diet and need to go to a dietary source of B12. I'm just so in love with the flavor. I was actually getting my um, annual checkup not too long ago and he came back with the results and he was like wow your your b12 levels are really high you, it must be because you're supplementing and i was chuckling to myself i'm like no it's because i eat so much nutritional yeast <laughs> the spokeswoman for nutritional yeast um outside of that i guess common things you can find in my kitchen um sunflower seed butter i eat a lot of um there's always almond milk in my fridge um organic tempeh um, dry legumes, particularly chickpeas and black beans. Um, raw nuts are always on hand. Lately, I've been eating a lot of macadamia nuts and walnuts. Um, arugula, I put on literally everything. It's another thing that I'll pile on everything I eat. I'm obsessed with it. Um, yeah, I guess that's a breakdown that of like the things really I eat list. every day. <laughs> awesome. Okay, and I feel like we could talk food forever. We, like, could. we really could. <laughs> I want to move on, but first... We were at an event together at the Simple Kitchen in Toronto a couple weeks ago, and you brought up this trendy new book that I keep hearing about. It's called The Plant Paradox. Yes. And, um, you know, if anyone has read the book that's listening, it kind of just essentially is talking about the potential hidden dangers in health foods that potentially lead to disease um, and symptoms. So without going into the book and whether you are following that or not, 
I just would love to chat about what your opinion is. You know, we hear so many mixed messages about diets and what good food is versus bad food. And, you know, there's always seeming to be kind of like the latest doctor who has a book. For sure. Do you tune into that kind of stuff and, you know, follow a lot of these next best protocols or... Do you kind of make your own guidelines? I'd just love to know what your thoughts are if people are feeling confused and getting mixed messages from the media right now. Oh, people are 100% confused and I don't blame them. I actually have a perfect example. Yesterday I was in my local grocery store and the gentleman in front of me checking out turned around and said, oh, hey, I follow you on Instagram. You're really into, you know, health food and stuff, right? I actually was meaning to message you recently because I feel like there are so many mixed messages out there in regards to what's good and what's bad and what diet I should be following. And I was just hoping that you could give me clarity on that. And I responded and said, you know, unfortunately, there's not like that answer does not exist. Mm -hmm. Um, We didn't obviously get into detail because we were checking out with our groceries. But um, when it comes to diet, there's no one size fits all. Every body is different. Everyone's needs are different. Granted, you know, there are nutrients that we all need to, you know, thrive and and function. But having said that, um, no, all I can really say is eat plants, eat a lot of them. And more importantly, listen to your body. Um, I used to be very obsessed with you know, what I should and shouldn't be doing and what the latest trend was and why I should be following that trend. And it created some created some really unhealthy habits for me and kind of warped my vision of what, um, what I like to call like whole body wellness really is. And I think the most important lesson I learned within that was to listen to my body. Mm-hmm. And be different for everybody. Absolutely. But I do like the advice of just eating more plants. Yes. Organic if possible and lots of greens. Absolutely. So. Okay, so let's shift gears here. I want to talk more about your career path because like many people who listen to this podcast and like myself, you have had a lot of transitions and, you know, many of them are just very relatable. And so I want to dive into that. So initially you went to school for graphic design. Is that correct? That is correct. And was that the program you were in when you kind of went through your... Transition with Lyme disease. Exactly. Okay. And so did you ever end up working as a graphic designer? I did, yeah, for a number of years. Um, I was really artistic growing up, so when I started looking to apply to colleges, I made the decision to kind of apply those artistic skills to graphic design. So um, I ended up with a a diploma in design. Um, A couple of prerequisites in order to graduate was to complete an internship which I completed with a really great ad agency downtown. And another one was to conduct an interview. And I can't remember what the exact requirements for, but it must have been, you know, to conduct this interview with somebody who I admired in in their position, um, with the company that they were with. And I went right after the owner of my favorite company at that time. It was an art publishing company and they represented all of my favorite artists. one thing led to another. I I think it annoyed him a little bit and made sure he didn't forget about me until he finally said, okay, do this project for me and give it to me by the end of the week. I did, and he said, if you move to Toronto, there's a job for you. <clears throat> and that kind of started things for me. And I think I went through that really quickly, but I think I learned a really important lesson in that, and it's a story I like to share with people, is to never really be afraid of going after that dream mm-hmm. job. I literally decided... If I could choose any company in Toronto I want to work for, it would be this one. I found the contact information of the owner of that company, and I shot him a message because what's the worst thing that can happen? And it ended up really benefiting me in the long run. And I got a really cool job right out of college. Um, From there, I worked with interior design firms. I worked for a number of ad agencies and worked as a freelancer as well in the graphic design space. Within that time, I somehow got into like event production for a couple of years, which was bizarre because I have no background in event producing and, um, you know, dabbled in graphic design. In and around that, um, I think over the years in um, 
in working as a graphic designer in a lot of more traditional workplaces, it stripped a little bit of the passion away for me. And I would spend times, you know, in these creative spaces where I should have felt inspired and passionate about what I was doing. And I was looking around at other people who were feeling that, you know, they would wake up and, and, you know, look into design. And it was probably the last thing they were thinking about before they go went to bed, or at least that's what I was thinking. And I was kind of longing for that feeling that I had yet to experience until I kind of discovered health and wellness. Um, mm-hmm. So that was where the shift kind of happened for me along the way, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good reminder, kind of going back to how you got your first job to yeah. like, you get what you ask for, Absolutely. essentially. And yeah, you might get a bunch of no's, but you never know. So of course, like, it's hard to reach out and be so vulnerable. But for anyone listening, like, it never hurts. Right now, in the day of Instagram, shoot someone a DM, right? It's 100%. so easy. And you just never know if you land there at the right time and they're looking for someone. Or for me, I got one of my first jobs with Loblaws through a tweet. Like... And all of a sudden, I was at their head office interviewing with them, and that was all through Twitter. And, you know, it's so easy nowadays to make a connection. So that's really cool. And through all your job transitions, obviously, at that point in your life, I think it's probably, looking back, a blessing because you learn so many transferable skills in different industries. So, you know, if you are the type to be bouncing around jobs, that's okay because you're learning so, so much. Transferable skills is everything. And I think I experienced a really um, really normal experience where you know from high school I went right into college and I got this diploma and then it wasn't you know too long after that where I started to question my decisions and then I started thinking oh crap like did I just waste all these years and all this money studying something that maybe I don't want to do for the rest of my life and I think that's okay and I think the most important thing to focus on are those transferable skills and in the moment did I know that those skills were you know gonna come full circle and help me out um, with the business I run today no um, but to focus on that and and to take whatever you're doing in the moment even if you want to completely change career paths take whatever transferable skills you have acquired and have learned and apply it to what you're doing next you can always find those in anything that you're doing I think and I was able to to take that and apply it to the next career path that I took mm-hmm. yeah it's so true it's you know, in the moment, you're right, you don't see it. But looking back, like even for me, going to university for human resources, I'm like, well, I, I've never worked <laughs> in human resources, but I do. I like, I work with people and, yeah. you know, onboarding. And these are all things that looking back, I think, oh, you're right. Like I, I can apply that to what I'm doing today. So there's always a lesson in every job. Definitely. So, okay, you're working, you know, in these different jobs. Yeah. Where does MERS Menu, which was your first business venture, where does that come in? So that was starting kind of when I first got into the real world of working. Mers Menu was a side hustle for so many years for me. Um, it started off as just a food blog. And then when it started gaining some attention, um, a woman by the name of Sahara Rose, who was the owner of Eat Feel Fresh, reached out to me. And she's gone on to be you know, a number one international bookseller working with Deepak Chopra, she's doing amazing things, such a girl boss. Um, But she found me as a nobody food blogger in 2011. And I started, uh, you know, we started collaborating. I was sharing some work for her to share on her website. Um, She created a really incredible opportunity for me to um, submit recipes for Michelle Obama's Let's Move campaign at the time through the Harvard School of Med. And all of a sudden, all these things started happening kind of by accident. I started something as more of a hobby. It was a passion of mine. And over time, I was realizing, oh, maybe I can actually do something with this. And keep in mind, along the way, I was working these nine to five jobs. And I think a telling sign throughout all of this that I was an entrepreneur is that that side hustle was always there. Because even if I was at a desk working nine to five, I was never truly happy because I think I was always lacking a bit of that passion where Mer's Menu kind of came in. So I did so many things with with Mer's Menu along the way. Um, I at one point was selling a raw vegan dessert line downtown. I 
did some catering gigs. I was working as a personal chef for like some doctors and models downtown at some point. But this was never full time. This was something I was always doing like late at night or, you know, whenever hours I didn't have to spend time at my desk. I remember the last desk job I had was with an ad agency. I was an executive, uh, or I was a producer and executive assistant, and I would literally be working at my desk, and people would be coming to the front door of the ad agency, and I would be giving them the raw cake that I had made for them at home, and they were like, you know, giving me money, and then I was going back to my desk. It was such a true side hustle. The hustle is real. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I, I got to the point where... I really had to sit down and figure out what that next step was because I was at the point where I was contemplating if you know it was going to become something that I was going to do full time. I really envisioned this um, big brand that Mers Menu was going to become, but I was struggling because I had explored so many paths within that, and nothing was really standing out to me as you know I, I that is what I should be doing. All I knew was that I wanted to kind of work within the health, wellness, plant-based food space. Um, And I just couldn't really navigate what that was. So I was at a real crossroads at one point, and that's when um, an ad agency approached me with an opportunity, and I took it because I was at a point where I was kind of broke and couldn't answer the questions for myself. So I just took this opportunity because, you know, just to to save my own ass and still be able to focus on Mer's menu um, on my own time. And I ended up not being very happy in this position. After a year, I was let go. Um, And at that point, I was more confused than ever. And I had no idea what I was going to do next. And I ended up taking a position with a local cold-pressed juice company as a senior brand ambassador. And when I originally got this position, I sat down with the owner and basically pitched my skills outside of what were being utilized in the position I um, was doing for them. And I was showcasing more of my creative skills and what I could do for them um, outside of this brand ambassador position. And they really liked what they saw in terms of food photography and my writing with Mer's Menu. And I eventually convinced them to create a social media management position for me. And that's kind of where that next chapter mm-hmm. began. So it's funny how things happen. You know, I didn't plan any of it along the way. Things just naturally transitioned into one another. Mm-hmm. And you were kind of meeting demand too. Like I've been there in my own business where people are asking a million things of you because you haven't clearly defined what it is that you do. But I think in the early stages of our businesses, you kind of have to be open to exploring. Like if someone wants you to do personal chefing and then catering and then food photography. I mean you know, roll with it for a bit. Of course, that's not sustainable forever, but as you're kind of getting your footing, that's super important. And a lot of, I think, your kind of career transition, it reminds me of mine too. And what I keep thinking is that it's okay to jump from maybe starting your own business to going to work for someone else, to coming back to your own business, to going to work for someone else, because you have to honor where you're at. And like you said, you were confused. You didn't know where you were going. When I first launched my business and just my brand under my name about two years ago, I, I didn't have a clear vision. And so things were going well, but that meant that as soon as I got a full-time opportunity and a company was ready to hire me, I felt confused enough that I took the job. And I think I needed that, right? Because I had to honor the fact that I didn't yet have a clear path set out for myself. So in order to you know, keep things thriving in my life and get a paycheck. I, it's okay that I went back to dabbling in full-time corporate work because maybe I just wasn't ready to go full swing. And I know a lot of people can relate to that too. Just, and I don't think we should feel guilt also about launching your own business and then maybe needing to take a break from it because people our age and any age, really, it's, totally normal to potentially need to start slower or pull back a bit and keep getting experience until you are like a thousand percent certain that your why and your vision is strong enough to move forward absolutely in your own business so 
okay, you land, um, you're at this juice company. Yes. <laughs> was that the moment at some point in that job where you said, I have to be in business full time for myself? Um, at the beginning, no. It's funny, even in the moment when I was working that job, the vision to start the business that I have today didn't exist. Um, I had the aha moment a bit later. Um, I fulfilled this position for a little while. It just didn't end up being a cultural fit. So I again left this position and was left again with more confusion. But one thing I had realized in that position is that it was, it, it made a lot of sense in terms of like creating this marriage of my passions and skills. It was something I hadn't considered yet. Um, as a, a career path that made sense. But once I started to think about it and I started doing it, particularly for a health and wellness business, it made so much sense to me. So, and I haven't told you this yet, but you helped me make this jump because when I started dabbling in this field, you kind of were as well. And I remember thinking to myself like, okay, I can do this. What do I do now? And I literally went to your LinkedIn profile and saw what, you kind of had listed as what your skill set was. And I was like, I'm gonna do this too. Went to my LinkedIn profile, completely changed my services for Mers Menu because that was still a registered business that I had at that time. Completely changed the services listed on my website from being food focused to being like content creation focused. Mm -hmm. And within one week, I had the owner of um, a company who would be soon become my first client reach out to me and ask if I could come in as their social media manager and writer for their blog. And that was kind of like the light bulb because I realized mm -hmm. I can actually do this. Yeah. Especially because it happened so quickly. It, it just became so exciting. And so the wheel started turning and that's when I began um, freelancing in that field. I did it for just shy of a year before I began planning social by nature, which was also kind of by accident because during this year, I, you know, made the plans to kind of do me and um, tackle some things I've been wanting to do for some time. And one of those things was getting my certification as a registered holistic nutritionist. So I signed up with this remote pro program through CSNN and was juggling that and managing my new clients. And then I was out for lunch one day with a friend who was working in a similar space as me, working in social media management in the health and wellness space in Toronto. And she goes, you know, we should go into business together. And I was like, we totally should. Completely forgetting that I have all these other, you know, commitments in terms of school and everything. Um, and the ball got rolling really quickly. We were meeting for a couple of weeks. I design the logo, design the entire brand, design the website front to back. Um, it ended up not being the right time in terms of a partnership, so we ended up parting ways, but then I was left with this skeleton of a really cool business idea, and I couldn't just let it go, you know what I mean? Totally. So was it the right time? I don't know. Is it ever going to be a perfect time? No. So I took that next step and all of a sudden I was creating a business plan and then three months later I launched a new business and if it weren't for that you know s series of events I don't know if I would have launched social by nature when I had but I'm so glad that I did because everything for the first time makes sense mm -hmm. and I have never been happier Amazing. Okay, we are going to go into social by nature in just a sec, but cool. I have to rewind for two seconds because so funny, I had a very similar experience with the whole like LinkedIn thing. And <laughs> so I keep thinking that it's so important, first of all, to put out what we want into the world yes. and not just manifest. Cause I think when I think of the word manifest, I think just think of what you want and meditate on it and, you know, ask the universe for it, but to use a platform like LinkedIn to create your dream job. Like anyone can be a consultant or an independent sure. contractor. And I did something similar when I got let go from my job at Vega. I 
ended up, you know, logging onto my LinkedIn profile and I registered a business under my own name as a consulting business. And I knew that I want, I loved social media. I loved natural health. So I just said, I offer social media consulting for natural health food brands. And I actually got clients from people seeing what I was up to on LinkedIn. And it just goes to show that it's, easy to start a business. I mean, it is one of the hardest things to actually execute, (laughs) but if you want it bad enough, like you got to start telling people and don't be afraid to put it on your profiles online and let people know what you're up to. And even if you don't really have the framework there, if you know that you're a hard worker and if this is what you're going to go after, something so small as updating your LinkedIn profile could actually launch and lead to something so much bigger so yeah it's wild it is it's super wild and I had no idea that yeah (laughs) but you're right we were along the same path at the same time realizing that you can marry two passions for content and online marketing and social with your lifestyle which is living this holistic natural health and maybe finding clients who really resonate with that who you can connect with yeah so Okay, so you founded this incredible company. Yes. Almost like randomly, the time and all that. Um, And you create social media content and strategies for health and wellness businesses. Correct. So can you tell us a little bit about when you began this business? Mm -hmm. Was the vision fully there? Or did you learn a lot along the way during the launching process? I learned a lot really quickly. Um, I had a, you know, pretty solid idea of, of, you know, the services we were going to be offering, what we we're going to be specializing in, the kind of clients that we ideally wanted to work with. Um, one thing that I learned very quickly is that I needed to broaden my services. And I think we were discussing this when we were together at that Simple Kitchen event. Um, is that I realized that a lot of clients were coming to me with, um, you know, issues in more areas than one, and they wanted more of a, a full package in terms of um, marketing and branding and content creation. So that's when more of my transferable skills came back into play because what started as just you know social media content and strategy services quickly grew into okay, I need to offer branding services. I need to be able to help people design their logos or their business cards or their website. I need to offer, you know, influencer campaigns. I need to offer social media advertising packages. So I probably launched with a few services and that quickly became, you know, 10 services. So that was one thing that I had to adapt to really quickly. Mm -hmm. And so because you've kind of focused on this niche market of natural health, which Mm -hmm. is not so niche anymore, but obviously it's still selective in the brands that you could work with, are you selective in who you choose to partner with? Do you qualify your potential clients? And would there be companies that you would actually say no to? Um, I would say that I am selective, but I haven't had to be selective yet. Um, Like you are saying earlier about, you know, putting things out there, I think what I have done um, well is putting out there through my branding and the content that I'm sharing. Um, You know, it's just been kind of painting a picture of our brand values and um, the type of clients that we work with. So I have been lucky so far that everyone who has come to me have really been in line with that and I haven't had to say no. Mm-hmm. Um, people have asked me that before and for sure um, I would say no if I needed to just because a really important thing for me in launching Social by Nature was being really true to my overall mission and my goals and my own values and applying that to the business. So we would most definitely be selective if need be with the clients mm-hmm. that we represent. And I think, you know, anyone who lands on your website, like you kind of know what type yeah. of clients you're going after. So the message is there and people can tell how you live your life. So I think like-minded brands will naturally kind of gravitate towards you. Definitely. And how do you go about finding clients? Like if someone listening is thinking about starting a business or 
you know, I think one of the biggest fears of launching a business is what if nobody comes? Like whether you have a physical shop and you're afraid no one will walk in or you have a remote business like yourself, do you have a couple tips for how you can find those initial clients? And um, For me, in the beginning, I was really, and I know this is rare and might not help a lot of people, but um, to be honest, I was banking on my connections when starting the business. I was really hopeful that um, after working on the other side for so many years that a lot of those brands would um, you know be aware of what I was doing kind of spread the word for me and um, I was lucky enough to have that happen I would say almost all of the clients I have right now are because of personal relationships that I created for myself along the way um, while working in the health and wellness space having said that when I first launched I um, made it a point of going to some sort of uh, social or networking event within my industry, which I think is really important. Lots of business cards on hand, making a list of upcoming events, socials, and <clears throat> particularly trade shows. Mm -hmm. Trade shows were a big one for me. Toronto is amazing for hosting a number of really um, great, natural, healthy, green trade shows. Um, so when I first launched, I spent a lot of time from the time the trade shows opened till the time it closed. Um, connecting and introducing myself to anyone and everyone that I could and handing out as many business cards as I could and sending out a lot of cold emails mm -hmm. and follow-ups. Um, that was the hardest part for me, I think, because the one thing I didn't think about enough in starting a business is that I was going to have to become my own salesperson. Um, so that was another learning curve for me, but I think that was big for me in terms of finding my clients and um, networking was going after all of the events or locations where I knew my target audience would be. Mm -hmm. So smart. Yeah, those are good tips. And it's true. I think sometimes we forget that sales is such a key piece of our business. Like if anyone has worked for a larger company before, you know, like a quarter of the team, whether that's 25 out of 100 people are working in sales yeah. because that is like an integral part of your business. Yet Sometimes I sit down with my own business and I won't spend any time in a week or a month on sales and recruiting and following up, but that is literally a driving factor behind yeah. staying in business. <laughs> so it's really good sometimes to map out like, am I spending time marketing? How about sales? Yeah. How about, you know, everything that comes with a more traditional job that it's easy to neglect um, when we have our own business. And... I also really love kind of what you said about the fact that a lot of your initial clients did come from your connections previously, and it sounds like they trusted you, right? And yeah. it's important. You never know who's going to eventually be your next client or who could be your next connection to your dream job. So treat everyone as if, like, they could potentially offer you something someday. and They can be a walking advertisement for you, right? Always. An extension of your marketing team. Yeah, like be your own brand all the time because as soon as you launch a business, you're going to have people flock to you if they've always trusted and, and seen what you've been putting out into the world. And even though your, your business social by nature is now kind of like an online and extends way beyond Toronto, it's a great way to start with those initial in-person connections yeah. and work your network here. And as it grows, it will expand, right? But the face-to-face -face is a great way to launch. And it's much easier for people to trust us with a face-to-face -face connection as opposed to online. So yeah, for anyone listening, starting a business, like get out there and meet some people in person first and, and then really hone in on the online. I think that's a, a good takeaway. Um, what's your favorite part about being in this natural health industry? Um, you know what? This might sound kind of corny, but my favorite part about what I do is working with the brands that I do. It's just really exciting for me to look back a year ago and be, you know, consuming my favorite kombucha brand to now be publishing a full page spread for them or to a year ago be buying all my natural products through a faceless brand to now be purchasing it through a client of mine who um, 
gives back to our community and supports, you know, sustainable and responsible shopping. And, you know, outside of that, one thing that was consistent for me, um, no matter what I was doing within kind of the natural health and wellness space, was just trying to create a platform to share, you know, knowledge and awareness of natural health and wellness. And now I have multiple platforms and can help all of these businesses and brands who share the exact same values and mission that I do. And I'm given the opportunity to spread their message to a wider audience, which I think is such a, mm-hmm. a cool experience. Yeah, your impact with social by nature, like it's so limitless, yes. right? Yeah. And as opposed to you being under your own brand or with Mer's menu, which maybe your reach was a bit more limited, but now you work with multiple brands and are reaching, you know, thousands and thousands of people, um, which is totally visionary, the name of this podcast. So I love, I love thinking about how many people's lives you could be affecting through this business. So um, in one of your Instagram posts, you said that 88% of businesses are now active on social media and it's become extremely important to ensure that you're standing out or else you risk consumers quickly turning to a competitor, right? Yes. So I think we know this to be true. Like every brand almost is on social. What are a few things that you could offer up to our listeners as to how they can stand out on social media, whether they just have, you know, small little platform or a larger business? Um, One thing that I always tell people I think is so important in every stage of your um, you know, social media strategy and your content development. It's something I ask myself every day when I create content is, you know, what problems do my followers have and how can I solve that problem? Mm. What keeps my followers up at night? What is of value to them? And the second you have the answers to those questions, you're golden. Um, I guess another way of putting that is, you know, be multidimensional. Be more than just a product or a service. Be passionate about your people. Um, For example, if you go to the Social by Nature Instagram page, we are not talking about the services we offer and how we can create beautiful content for your brand. We're hoping that that comes off naturally. What we are talking about is entrepreneurship, behind the scenes, what we ate for breakfast and what the health benefits were of what we consumed, um, common tips that people make on social media and how people can avoid um, those issues. These are all things that resonate with our audience, but still stays on brand for us and is still you know, a good reflection of our brand values. So being multidimensional, I think is crucial. And another thing that I've been talking about lately And maybe this is just another way of talking about the overused word of 2017 in social media, which is authenticity. But I've been talking a lot about just trying to find a way to humanize your brand. At the end of the day, people connect with people. So if you have a product, find a way to humanize that product or your service Um, and just ensure that you remain genuine in your interactions and your engagement because I think now more than ever before we are so sensitive to fake news and fake followers you know what I mean we are like the Instagram police these days and if you are not being genuine in your social media activity we will notice Um, and at the end of the day that's going to bite you in the ass because you're not going to be able to build um, real relationships beneficial partnerships and social media is just going to end up not being um, something that's worth your while. Mm -hmm. So I think those are a couple really key points that I've been discussing a lot lately. So true. Yeah. Gone are the days when people want to be sold to in every post that you put up, right? It's not the way to share your message because your message is more than just your service or your product. That's it. And I think on that point, another issue that, um, or mistake I should say that people are making lately is overselling. And I think the bigger picture there is when people um, start using social media for business, whether it's to monetize their blog or, you know, make sales with their product or their service, people don't take the time to create that initial social media strategy. And a big part of that is understanding what platform is good for what 
And people can easily get lost in, you know, assuming that they need to make a Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube profile when that is so not the case. People need to take the time to understand the differences between each platform. Some are much more beneficial to, to certain companies than others. And to give an example, like Instagram, where overselling becomes a massive issue. You need to understand that certain platforms are more for community building than others. Um, and focusing on that community building rather than the overselling is another just crucial step in creating that uh, social media content. Yeah, it's almost like treat your online community as you would your offline community. Like I don't come to 100%. our girls' brunches being like, hey, look at this product that I'm, yes. you know what I mean? And so why do that every post on social media? Yeah. That's not you. Um, yeah, once you make yeah. the shift and talk to your audience like they are your friends, that is huge. Definitely. So you posted entrepreneur, this, sorry, let's backtrack. You posted a, an Instagram that said, entrepreneur, the word for a person without a weekend. <laughs> and I really chuckled so at this. True. It's very, very true in the best possible way. I just want to know, what is your typical work day or work week look like? Um, you know what? I think my favorite part about what I do is that I don't have a typical work day or a work week. That was one of the things that was um, really appealing to me as being an entrepreneur and running my own business. One day, uh, you know, the whole day can be spent doing a photo shoot for a client. The next day I can be spending two hours writing a blog article for a client and another two hours scheduling someone's content. Um, so I guess having that flexibility and being able to create choices for myself was always a, a big goal for me and a massive priority. So I don't have routine. Sometimes I wonder if I should have more routine in my day. Um, and we'll see how, how that changes over time the longer I, I uh, have been running this business. I think one thing that keeps me in check along the way is prioritizing and always having my lists. You could, you could call me like a crazy list lady, but having everything written out in front of me and seeing my weeks ahead is something that always keeps me in check throughout the lack of routine, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's cool that you've honed in on the fact that maybe routine is not what you're after, yeah. right? And that's not you. That's why you you aren't working on someone else's timeline right. right now. And I'm totally the same way. Like some days I work early and then late at night. Yeah. Other days it is a eight hour period, but it really does depend on how I'm feeling that day and when the creative juices are flowing. And yeah, there's just so many different factors. Yeah, and to be able to have the choice to say the creative juices are flowing at this time, so I'm going to work at these hours and not at these hours is a pretty beautiful thing. It really is, and so important. Yeah. All right, so we are wrapping up. I just want to ask you one last question. Okay. I know you're a self-care junkie like myself. Yep. What are some non-negotiable health habits that you incorporate to make yourself feel amazing? Um... Anyone who has lived with me over the past few years, which I guess is only my boyfriend Pete and uh, our close friend Josh, but they know that my non-negotiable self-care ritual is my evening bath. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of my friends are very aware of this. I take my bath time so seriously. Um, not only as just a time to be with myself because I cherish my me time so much. I always have. I've always had no problem doing things by myself. Um, it helps me from a physical standpoint. By the end of the day, my legs usually become really restless and um, the bath helps me with that tremendously. Um, but my bath time is like 90 minute hot bath. I have my favorite TV show on. I have Epsom salts in the bath. I'm using, you know, a relaxing essential oil like lavender or I have these, this amazing natural bubble bath that's like scented with citrus essential oils. Um, 90 so, minutes? Oh my I, God. So the people that's who live serious. with me, like I, ha I live in a small condo with, with one bathroom. Um, so the people who live with me probably don't love me for it, but <laughs> I have like five out of seven nights a week. It's what I do before bed and that is my number one self-care 
routine. I love it. It sounds so good right now, especially because it's cold out today. So where can people find you if they want to learn more about you or about your business? Um, so if you want to connect on a personal level, my personal Instagram is Craig. So that's M-U-R-R-C-R-A-I-G. You can find my company account on Instagram at socialbynature underscore. Um, and you can also check out our services in greater detail at www.socialbynature.com. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'd encourage everyone to connect with you and thank you for being on the Visionary Life podcast. I've always known that you are a visionary friend in my life and I'm just so grateful to share your journey with everyone else. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for this episode with Mariah. What did you think? Isn't she awesome? I'm super grateful to have monthly brunch dates in Toronto with this babe and with our tribe of friends that we were all connected actually back at a previous job. So anyways, I am eternally grateful for these women, Mariah being one of them. I would encourage you to go check out Social by Nature online. You can find them at um, www.socialbynature.com. Or just head to Instagram and it's social by nature with an underscore at the end. As always, I'd love for you to join my insiders community. Just search Visionary Life on Facebook. We talk about our favorite books, our podcasts, our struggles as entrepreneurs or as aspiring business owners. And there's a lot of real talk going down in there, okay? So Visionary Life on Facebook. Just search it and request to join the group. Please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. You guys know I send an essential oil blend and a visionary love note to everyone who does, but you just have to snap a photo and send it to me, whether that is through the contact page on my website or through Instagram. All right, have yourself a visionary day and we'll talk next week.